0: All right, all right. Church family, if you guys are thankful to be in God's house, let's give him some more praise this morning. If you're thankful to be a part of the body of Christ, I'm especially thankful today. We are celebrating 22 years as a church today. Come on, let's praise his name for that, his faithfulness. A lot of you may not know if you're new around here, uh, we are part of a bigger vision. We actually have 17 locations across the state as a church Uh, The truth is, that is all because God builds the church. It's all because of his spirit. But God needs willing vessels to work through, to do his work. And I'm very, very thankful for our lead pastors, Pastor Rick and Michelle, how God called them out of Louisiana, which was not a hard choice to make when you're coming to Arkansas from Louisiana. but, But nonetheless, nonetheless, I'm thankful that they counted that cost of leaving friends and family and all of that, stepping out and coming to Arkansas, and being obedient, and planning this church, and so uh, if you guys think about it, give them a shout out on social media today, just to thank them for their faithfulness, he's one of the best leaders I've ever known, he's an amazing friend, he lives with integrity, Uh, we are blessed to have all the pastors, our executive team, and Pastor Rick and Michelle, leading our church, and uh, and the best is yet to come as a church, amen, if you don't mind, I want to pray a blessing over them real quick, Lord, thank you so much for this church, thank you Uh, for the vision that you gave Pastor Rick and Michelle all those years ago. God, I thank you for all the leaders, the pastors that you've drawn in to be a part of this vision. Thank you, God, for for giving me a chance, giving Cody and I a chance 18 years ago to step into this vision as well. God, I pray that you would bless Pastor Rick and Michelle. I thank you, God, that you strengthen them like they've never been strengthened. Give them more revelation and anointing than they've ever had before. I thank you, God, for them. I pray that you bless them. Thank you. Thank you, Father God, for your hand that's been our church. We recognize that that's the only reason why we're able to do anything we do. It's because of you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over the years, I know there's been so many times Pastor Rick has mentioned, especially when we first got here, that he never thought that this church would grow like it was going to grow. It was never his intention to have a big church. He just thought, man, we could have a church with a few families and a few friends. We could go hang out at Popeye's afterwards and have red beans and rice. Like That's what he thought it would amount to, but but I'm thankful that the Lord has helped us, and now it's, it's, it's a big church with, with a big vision. Uh, I love the fact that we're partnering with churches all over our state. Uh, so many amazing local pastors and churches, uh, and we're making it hard to go to hell from this state in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm thankful for the people that God's brought in. I'm thankful for our church family. I love walking into our church. I love being here in the morning as people start showing up. Uh, that are helping to greet. And I think about the Moyers. I think about people that are easy to love. We got a lot of people that are easy to love around here. I'm thankful for that. But how many of y'all know people aren't always easy to love? And you can probably think of a couple of people right now that are not easy to love. If they're here, don't look at them. Don't point right now. Don't look at your husband and wife right now. That's, this is, please don't do that. We're in this human series. And it's just talking about that. What does it mean to be human? It's tough. But when you understand the word of God and you understand his plans and purposes, it definitely helps. Today, we're gonna talk about loving difficult people to love. You probably have somebody like that, probably maybe somebody from your past. I I think about a few people from my past. I think about when I was in the seventh grade, there was a kid named Joseph. And Joseph was in the eighth grade, but he was 15. He had a full beard, and he dipped skull. And uh, he made all the girls cry. Nobody liked him. He was a very, very difficult dude to love. Uh, At one point, he actually picked a fight with me and broke my nose and gave me two black eyes. I mean, I'll know that gets even tougher to love somebody like that. I'm thankful, though, that now when I speak his name, I'm completely free of any bitterness. And what you realize is usually people that are like that hurt people like to hurt people. That's what I want to talk about. How do you deal with those difficult people to love? Maybe it's somebody from your place of work, coworker. that person that you know when you see them walking down the hallway, you're going to pretend like you're on the phone so you don't have to have a conversation with them. They're the person that spills chili in the microwave in the workroom and never clean it up. They're the person that are always on their phone when they should be working things like that we're so like no that's me actually okay well maybe you're the problem i don't know <laughs> difficult people to love maybe you know an alabama fan i uh, i want you to know i go through a checklist of all the alabama fans that i know that are in our church and and i hope that they all love me enough that they're not offended and leave our church but How many of you don't know that there are some teams and some sports teams that their fans are more difficult to love? Anybody agree with that? Anybody in the house? I'm sure they feel that way about Arkansas fans too, though. The odds are you're gonna know somebody that's hard to love over the course of your life. The question is, what do you do with those people? And Jesus actually answered that question in an interaction with a man named Zacchaeus. Now, if you grew up in church, Zacchaeus had a top 10 all-time favorite Sunday school song. Y'all remember this song? We're not going to sing it, but let me just, uh you guys want to sing it? Okay, here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> Here's the deal. If you, When you look at that song, you realize, like, man, that does not pass the politically correct test of today, right? Uh So before you get too offended, tradition says that an old man in Ireland wrote that song. So the wording in the language is like culturally appropriate, right? And if you think about it, you'll never hear that song uh, the same way ever again. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, okay? It wasn't (laughs) quite like, that was a really horrible Irish accent. If you're Irish, forgive me. But this comes from a story in Luke 19. That's our main text for today, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus, tax collector, he was Jewish, but he would cheat and manipulate his own people to raise money, basically, for the Romans, the occupying empire at that time. He would work with Rome, and that was like working directly with the enemy. He would lump all that he was into a category that people would recognize as sinners. Like the worst sinners of that time, he would be associated with those people. So, people that were prostitutes or people that were murderers or thieves or adulterers, tax collectors were put in that category. Which wasn't just the tax collector; he was the chief tax collector, meaning that he did all that he did but then he would also teach other people how to do what he did. So, hated. People did not like Zacchaeus. For any of us, really, Zacchaeus would be a hard person to love. But fortunately for him, it wasn't us that was walking by that day, it was Jesus. It says this in verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I think about it though, how easy would it have been for Jesus just to keep on walking? Like things are really moving and shaking in Jesus' ministry. Let's just, equivocate it to our daily lives. You know, like things are going good. I got my schedule set. I got my kids plugged into all the right stuff. Uh, things are going great. My business is going great. My career's going great. I'm moving along in church terms. Man, church attendance was strong. Man, worship's going great. Everything's smooth. It'd be really easy when everything's going like that to notice somebody that's hard to love and just keep on walking. Like, I don't really need to put up with all that today. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't do that. He's doing miracles, signs and wonders, huge crowd, thousands of people, and he stops in the middle of everything and talks to the enemy. In doing so, he's living out a message that he preached just a little bit earlier. In Matthew 5, verse 43, it says this, you have heard it said, this is Jesus speaking, the Sermon on the Mount. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Man, that's huge because what this is saying is if you understand lordship, if you want to be adopted in as sons and daughters, that a direct line to understanding who God is, is loving people that are hard to love. In fact, your love doesn't even count in heaven until you learn the people that are difficult to love. It's not hard to love somebody we like, but when it comes to our enemies, when it comes to people that have tried to smear our names, gossiped about us, or just difficult, annoying, when it comes to loving those people, that's what really tests do we understand the Lordship and do we understand our true sonship? It's tested by how we love difficult people to love. So Jesus is practicing what he preached. And this may have been his hardest sermon. Love your enemies? Do good to people who are out to get me? Like none of that resonates in our natural being. That doesn't make sense to me. Like if you talk about my mama, I'm going to talk about your mama too. We love the Bible when it tells us of God's promises, his blessings. But i tell you what, sometimes when it gets personal and uncomfortable like this, it's a little more difficult. But here's Jesus, not just preaching it, not just preaching, love those people that are hard to love, but actually do it we're gonna come across these people in our lives and we have to love them the way that Jesus loves them. If we do that, it could change their lives forever. And what I find is a lot of times the people that are hardest to love are usually the people that need love the most. A lot of times that's the very reason why they're so hard to love because they haven't experienced real love. So we're gonna look at how Jesus handled this. Write this down, first thing, see their value. How are you going to love somebody that's hard to love? You're going to have to see their value. I don't know why, but on my Facebook feed, uh, there's this thing from eBay where it's showing trading cards. How many ever collected baseball cards, basketball cards ever before? Okay, I did a little bit of that growing up. But it got to a point where I was like, I don't know if this is really ever going to be worth anything. I have no idea where any of those cards are anymore. And it really bummed me out because as I started looking at some of these cards and what they're going for now, I'm like, I know I had that card. And I couldn't believe it. So then I kind of went into a rabbit hole on this thing, and I started looking at Beanie Babies. <laughs> Y'all remember Beanie Babies? Okay, like I remember the people that collected Beanie Babies were like, yeah, they're going to be in prison someday. Like there, there's something wrong with those people. Like they're, they're just out of balance. Like something's wrong with those people. My sister had a few Beanie Babies. I don't know if she has them. I haven't asked her if she still has them, but I saw one of the Beanie Babies that I know that she had. they're auctioning it on eBay for $5,000, 5,000. But no, that's that's not even, that's not even close. There is a Beanie Baby that can auction or sell for up to $500,000. And all of us are like, that's crazy. There's no way. Why would something be worth that much? It's worth that much because somebody's willing to pay that for it. That's what gives value. Your soul is valuable to God. If your soul is valuable to God, then every soul is valuable to God. And you have to know this. God doesn't look at your soul the way we would look at different Beanie Babies or trading cards. It's not like, oh, that addition should be worth more. No, he looks at every soul with the equal amount of value. And I think a lot of times the issue we have is we have an issue understanding our value, but even if we get close to understanding that, we certainly are not going to equivocate ourselves in the value of our soul with somebody that is really tough to love. We're gonna look at them and say, they're gonna auction for a little less. I'm thankful that it's not us that established the value of another person's soul, it was the cross of Jesus Christ that established the value. It was that price that was paid that established the value for every soul. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, how horrible they are, the value is equal. God loves them equally, why? Well, first of all, we're created in his image. We're created in His image. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. The creator of the universe crafted us uniquely. You're made in His image also because the highest price was paid for us. And 1 Peter 1.18 says this, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that you inherited from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot." What that means is every person, even the worst person, has the same value, has value to God. That's why no matter who walks through the doors of our churches, we will love them because they mean something to Jesus, because they're valuable to the kingdom of God. That's why we need every Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church and every community that we're in. That's why we plant campuses all over the state. That's why we got to go into every city, every town, every county, because there's souls that have value to the kingdom of God, every one of them. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus in that tree, he didn't see a tax collector. He didn't see somebody that everyone hated. He didn't see the enemy. He didn't see any of that. He saw a soul that he created, and he saw value. So why do we love people that are hard to love? Because they do mean something to God. So how do we love them? How do we show their value? I think part of it is you gotta hear their hurt. Write that down, hear their hurt. When I was in high school, I had a friend who had a 56 Mustang um, that was always broke. And so I think he honestly just had me as a friend because I would help him work on his car. Like I think that's the only reason, but He actually had a mechanic friend that was like a legit mechanic. One of these old boys that you could, he could just hear a car. He could just hear a car, know what kind of car it was, know what year it was, or if there was something wrong with it, just by hearing the car, he could tell you what was wrong with it. Like I called him up because I had a problem with my car one time. He's like, man, I'm not sure. He's like, what does it sound like? I'm like, it's like a... Like tick tock. don't sound good. Don't sound good. He's like, oh, is it like a banging? Is it a clicking? Is it? So I tried to describe him. He's like, man, I think this is what it is, right? You need to go pick up these parts, come over to my house, i help you put them on. It was incredible. The same thing can happen when we truly listen to people. God can begin to tone our ears into what's really under the surface. Because even if on the outside, it's this cool, pretty looking 57 Mustang, there can be some broken things on the inside. And God wants to use this. Us. But we have to hear that hurt and that pain in order for us to move into that. It says in James 1:19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all, everybody say all. all. Say, that's me. You must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to get angry. Isn't it interesting that we live in a culture that has completely reversed that? We live in a culture, it's like, no, I'm quick to get angry. I'm quick to tell you how angry I am and I'm not interested in what you've got to say. That's not the kingdom of God though. What if we were just really patient and listened? And listen, I find that the things that often make people hard to love are just old wounds that haven't healed yet. And it shows up and manifests in a lot of different ways that makes them difficult to love. Look, Zacchaeus definitely made a lot of bad decisions in life, but I'm sure he dealt with a lot of hurt. He had a lot of insecurities. I'm sure people hated him, which meant he was probably alone. When we're in sin and we know it, how many know our, that sin separates us from people? Even subconsciously, we'll do things to try to push people back, reject people. Zacchaeus probably didn't have anybody that really cared about him, checked in on him, asked about how his home was, how his family was. No one's asking him those things. But Jesus proactively does something to open the dialogue to see into those hurts. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. One of the things that's powerful about this moment is Jesus calls him by his name. Zacchaeus actually means pure or clean one. Now I'm sure that Zacchaeus was called a lot of different names. I would guess anytime anybody ever said his actual name, knowing what that name meant, they probably just said it sarcastically. Oh, yeah, Zacchaeus, the pure one, right. But here's what I know. When God or when one of God's ambassadors speaks someone's name with love, with encouragement, it can change everything. And Zacchaeus, I think when he heard Jesus say his name, I think, honestly, in that moment, It was Jesus prophesying, now this is who you were created to be. This is who you can be. Jesus telling him, I want to spend time with you. I'm I'm, I'm heading to your house. And and this was such a big deal to Zacchaeus because how long had it been that someone had wanted to just hang out with him that wasn't trying to use him? or be angry with him? How long had it been since Zacchaeus could just let his guard down? God knows the biggest hurts in our lives and I'm thankful that he always moves us towards healing, but he wants to use people to help with that. When you're around somebody that's hard to love, if you will take some time to listen, when you listen, Maybe the things that sounded hateful before, you'll see how they really more, sound more like hurt. And if you will ask the Holy Spirit as the great counselor and helper and healer to give you spiritual ears to hear, then you will hear past the words. You'll hear into the wounds. And if you can see that the way that Christ sees it, I think that God would like to use you to bring healing and even deliverance into someone's life that needs it. You've got to see their value. You've got to hear their hurt and then you've got to just show them love. This this has to have legs. This has to have some action. One of Jesus' most used ministry strategies, hey, let's go eat together. Let's go eat together. One of the things I appreciate so much about our faith is a major element of being a Christian is we eat and we eat with people, like I love that, I love that. There's something incredibly disarming about breaking bread with people, sitting down, having a meal, asking questions. Heard of a guy at one of our other campuses who's starting a life group that's gonna meet at Long John Silver's. Fish and rollades, I think is what he's calling it. It sounds fishy to me if you ask me. Okay, that's bad. Sorry, I did that for you, Jared. You're welcome. We've got a men's group that's meeting at Cheryl's. I think that's a much better idea if you ask me. But, but I, I love the fact that he understands, like especially with men. Men usually just grunt a lot, you know? But there's something about when you get men just eating and hanging out, they start to open up. But it's true with people. But this is how the people around this situation responded. In verse seven, all the people saw and began to mutter, oh, he's gone to be with the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus had just preached. You have heard it said, hate your enemies. It was probably those people that were saying, yeah, you should hate your enemies. A lot of people had a problem with Jesus showing love to this guy, but he did it anyway. By the way, Jesus ate with sinners all the time. It was like a regular thing for him. He was great around sinners, like comfortable around sinners. That, sinners. That's not, probably not something that a lot of us can say about ourselves, that, that we're just able to be around lost and broken people. At this church, we have to have unmovable convictions but we wanna show shocking love. What does that mean? Loving people doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that you have to live like them. In fact, compromising his word or enabling sin is one of the most unloving things that you could ever do to somebody. But if you have unmovable convictions, which means the word of God is your standard and you're not gonna compromise it. You're not gonna negotiate with it. But if you can have shocking love, which means, even if you disagree, even if it's hard, we're gonna do everything we can to love people right where they are. That, that can be a church that truly makes a difference. The beautiful thing about what Jesus did, practically, is something that all of us can do. What did he do? He learned his name, he learned his story, and then he spoke into his potential. That's what he did, and it changed Zacchaeus. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, I I believe that we're a church that when lost people show up, we do a pretty good job loving them. I think it would change everything if we became a church that seeks hurting and lost. We just got our antennas up. Grocery stores, coffee shops, restaurants, we just have our antennas up. What if every time you're out or you leave your home, you just say, God, Set up a divine appointment for me today. Help me to meet with someone that's hurting. Help me to be patient. Help me to be slow to speak, quick to listen. I think it would make a huge difference. Church history says that Zacchaeus went on to travel with Peter and even became a bishop in the church. He helped lead the early church. He definitely wasn't easy to love, but he definitely was worth loving. In life, not everyone's gonna be easy to love. But the fact is this, you and I, <laughs> we're not that easy to love either. And any one of you it's like, no, I'm pretty easy to love. Here's your sign. You might be the person that's tough to love. I know that I'm not always easy to love. I've made so many mistakes. I've said things that have hurt people. I yelled at a ref yesterday. I would to apologize for that. I know there's people, there might be some of you even right now. Maybe I'm tough to love for you. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful that Jesus loves me even though I I know I've I've been tough to love. I love this verse in Jeremiah 31.3. It says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. An everlasting love that is around and before we even make the mistakes. And it's also a love that's gonna be around way after we've made all those mistakes, that sees beyond our past and sees into the hope of our future. We are called to be a people that love people without everlasting love, without kind of grace. The truth is the key is the story is our story, a people that were hard to love, but God loved us anyway. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. You may be the Zacchaeus right now, but all of us can relate to having that person that's difficult to love. The truth is God's gotta do a work in our heart. God's gotta do a work in our heart. You know, I read through this story. I think a key component was this, Zacchaeus. This person of influence, this person of power, this affluent man climbed a tree. He climbed a tree, meaning he had to humble himself. He had to humble himself. He had to come to a point where he recognized whatever it takes, I've got to see Jesus. Whatever it takes, I've got to see Jesus. And there might be some of you in this room right now that you feel distant from Jesus. Maybe you feel like your mistakes have disqualified you. Maybe you feel like you've drifted, like you were close to him at one point, but you're not close to him now. And maybe the enemy has been lying to you and you've begun to believe that lie that maybe you've just drifted too far and you can't come back. Well, Just like I just read, I want you to know that God's love and his grace and forgiveness is infinitely greater and more than your capacity to sin, than your capacity to mess things up. And if you will humble yourself right now and come before a loving father who sent his son Jesus, you can be completely and totally restored right now. Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to see Jesus clearly? Because he wants to see you so clearly. He wants you to see him. If you're here and you just feel separate from God, you're away from him, maybe because you've never surrendered to him. The idea and the concept of a loving God and relationship with the creator of the universe is foreign to you. But right now in your spirit, it's resonating in you that that's what's been missing all along. And that's exactly what you need and you're ready for it. Or you thought you had it, but you lost it. Either way, you need Jesus and you need to see him. And would you be willing to humble yourself? And if you are, I'm just gonna ask you as as a sign of your surrender, as a sign of you just saying, that's me, I need him. I want you to put your hand up across this room right now. As soon as I see your hand and we make eye contact, you can put your hand down, but you say, I need to call on Jesus. Got it, thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, got it. Thank you. Yes, got it, thank you. I got you, bro, thank you. God's gonna honor that. The word says that his power is made great in our weakness. It's made perfect in our weakness. Thank you. You raising your hand is not what gets you saved, but you raising your hand is admitting weakness. And when you admit weakness, his power is gonna be made perfect right there in that chair. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm away from him. I need a call on him. I've never truly surrendered to him. I've done the church thing my whole life, but I know I'm away from God. Anyone else? Got it. Thank you. Gotcha. you. Anyone else? I need Jesus. Anyone else? Even for the stubborn Zacchaeus sitting in the room. He's worried about maybe the image. No. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait any longer. Don't worry about anybody around you. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. Make it today. Anyone else? Okay. Father, I thank you so much for being here and for meeting with every person, especially those that, that just admit it just as a sign of their own free will, I need you, Jesus. And if you raise your hand, I want you just to talk to the Lord. You can say this in your own heart, maybe loud enough for your own ears to hear it. Just say this, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I believe that you came and you died on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I don't understand how you can love and forgive somebody like me, but by faith, I believe it and I receive it right now. I believe that you rose from the grave defeating sin and death itself. And because of that, I can walk in freedom. Because of that, even the mistakes that I'm still gonna make, God, they're covered. Help me to live according to your word. Help me to be led by the power of your spirit. Help me to be connected with other believers that can encourage me and challenge me and exhort me. I give my life to you. I know I can't do it, so I repent. I turn away from living for myself, living the way the world wants me to live. I wanna live for you. Be my Lord, take control. Father, we need you desperately. We are living in dark days. There are more and more people around us that are tough to love. But let your love increase in us. Give us a supernatural perspective, supernatural's eyes to see and ears to hear. We need you, spirit of the living God, to help us to love people the way that you love them. We thank you for that. We accept that commission. We accept the responsibility that you've given us to love the difficult, the unlovable. Thank you for loving us. Help us to be faithful with it, Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.